This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper and the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 555 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is the Sunday Fireside Chat here on Sunday, May 27th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Nick Pollock. Nick, what's up? What is happening? We're back for another week. This is going to be another two-hour episode, isn't it? 100%. Memorial Day episode, <laughs> and we have two hours on Daniel Mengden. We have to. We have to get people through right. the entire uh, the entire Memorial Day. No, back to back to kind of the the heart of the show, which is uh, d- deep diving in on one player uh, for a good fifteen to twenty minutes, and then maybe closing with a few thoughts on on a scattered pitcher here and there. But the central focus is, in fact, Daniel Mengden. That was not a lie, uh, because yeah, I think he's kind of bubbling up. First off, I want to say that this feels like a weak week. Yes, I said that purposely like that. <laughs> the, the the two uh, what is that homonyms? Um, yes. In terms of the waiver wire, I feel like it was a weak week. There were not a lot of buzzy guys out there. The one thing in the NFBC was that Juan Soto was available because he came up at a point where you couldn't pick him up last week. So he's kind of the big draw. But then looking up and down waiver wires, not just in my NFBC, but just everywhere, it it's generally uh, a weak. There's just not a lot of, you know, remember that week where we had Nick Kingham, Fernando Romero, and Mike Soroka, you know, like – this is an off week, and it's, it's interesting to watch the ebbs and flows of of uh, the the waiver pool. By the way, do you play more head to head or more daily or more weekly pickup leagues? Oh, definitely daily. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, I play mostly weekly, so you kind of look forward to the uh, to the loop that's starting to rise to the top, and you really hope that the guys that you're interested in don't excel on a Sunday. Uh, but if someone was really interested in Daniel Mangden, he put himself firmly on the radar with a shutout of the Arizona Diamondbacks on Saturday evening, giving him 16 scoreless innings in a row. In fact, let me see, actually 17. If you go back to the last inning of his start at Boston, you're on a 17-game, uh, or excuse me, 17-inning scoreless streak for Daniel Mangden. And in the month of May as a whole, he's only allowed four earned runs, five earned runs in all, a 107 ERA in 33 and two thirds. But then we immediately get to kind of the crux of the matter with Mr. Mengden when it comes to fantasy baseball, because he only has 19 strikeouts in that time. Uh, you take the full scale view and take in his April as well, which was pretty decent bookended by uh, bumpy starts, but a lot of good in the middle, 43 strikeouts and 66 in the third though. So I like the 285 ERA who doesn't you like a 0.97 whip. That's amazing because He's kind of the poor man's Miles Michaelis of the American League with regards to the fact that he now leads baseball in walk rate. 
he doesn't strike anybody out, but he's even worse, Mangdon is, than, than Michael is in terms of striking guys out. So we have this interesting profile here. It's really standing out with the results. But the component numbers that we usually get into, Nick, that we geek out on, aren't saying a lot about Daniel Mangdon. What is your initial thought of the uh, of the A's righty with a twirly mustache? <laughs> he's got an amazing windup, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's actually, I don't know if you remember this, last year I wrote for Rotographs uh, about Mengden's 16-inning scrolling streak that he had over two starts. And Seems to like these sorts of streaks. Yeah, well, this is this is kind of what he does. Uh, he gets he has these really good games with his fastball, and he gets a lot of balls in play. I mean, it was 25 balls in play in that complete game shutout with just two hits. Um, a lot of wow. early swings, uh, 102 pitches, 76 strikes. And uh, I think the thing that's overlooked the most with Daniel Mangdon is, and this is really startling to me, that he performs better against lefties than he does righties. And by a lot, um, he wow. actually has more innings against the lefties than he does right-handers. However, he has uh, he's allowed a 202 Woba against lefties and a 321 against righties. That's in his career for Mangdon? No, that, that's, that's for the season. Okay. Uh, and yesterday against the Diamondbacks, six of nine, the batters were left-handers which I think and, works heavily in his favor. And they've been struggling. So oh, you add in his yeah, strength with them, you know, falling off the table right now, excuse me, and you get a deadly mix there. But then, you know, that was coming off uh, of seven scoreless in Toronto. And I mentioned the Boston start. There was only uh, two runs, only one of them earned, but he did scatter eight hits over six innings. So he really has been on a roll throughout the entire month. Houston, a nice Houston start was there and a nice Baltimore start. Obviously, those are uh, disparate teams in terms of offense, but he's run the gamut there. You go Houston at Boston at Toronto Arizona you can talk about how Toronto and Arizona are not world beating offenses but to go into Toronto and to beat the Arizona team whether they're on their best behavior or not uh, for Daniel Mengden is still substantial so we have this great run does it turn into long-term fantasy goodness is this somebody I want on my team right now Daniel Mengden well I mean it's kind of a Vargas rule if you remember that from last week absolutely it's a, it's a kind of a uh, Got to ride it. Don't expect to have long-term success, but as long as they're hot, you just keep going until they hit that wall. I don't. I don't love his stuff. It's, it's better than it was last year. He's incorporated this sinker that's allowed a 191 batting average allowed thus far with a 55% zone rate. That's nice, and he's just. I mean, he's pounding the zone a ton, about 65% for strike rate as well. Get more chases, yeah, but, it, but only, it, but not even to a league average rate. I don't believe his changeup is has had good success again. A low batting average allowed him. He has a two forty six bathroom, so you kind of expect that with a lot of his pitches anyway. But he only has a three percent whiff rate of that changeup, a ninety three percent contact rate. Things zero have, strikeouts with the changeup yeah. in thirty one plate appearances. That's zero. Cool. Now some of that's probably counts that he's throwing it in, but still, yeah, that's that. You don't want to see that. Curveball is up 12 points in zone rate to 44%. That's good. He's he's going over the plate. I'm just not seeing a guy that is a craftsman as far as inducing weak contact. I did watch all of that Arizona Diamondbacks game. He was pitching. You know, he, he worked both sides of the plate with his fastball. That's great. I, he made some mistakes, too. There were some hard-hit balls to the outfield that found gloves. I mean, the very last pitch of the game was a warning track fly right in front of the wall where there's like a little mm-hmm. leap against the wall as well. Uh, his slider is better in the sense that anyway, he has more consistency with it and he's getting a decent amount of whiffs. I believe it's over 15% on that. I, I just, I mean, I see a guy right now that has 39% hard contact on the year. Yep. And a sub- I was just about to bring that up. Subs, uh, soft contact. I'm not seeing 
you know, your your Tanner Roark from 2016. You know, I'm not no, I'm not seeing that. You know, uh, along with that hard contact rate, which is a surge in hard contact rate from last year from to, from 25 to 39 percent, as you mentioned, there's also a 49 percent pull percentage. Uh, that's also up big to, from 36 percent. So we're talking about guys getting around on him to the pull field with pop. I'm seeing a home run spike coming, a 0.81. Uh, you know, for me, if you're going to be this this Daniel Mangdon profile, along with the great walks, you got to have like a 0.4 homer nine. Like right. I got a, a very few homers going out. I see a 0.8, and in my mind, that has a green arrow, or I should say a red arrow, because if the red arrow pointing up, you you don't want a home run rate to go up. But I see that shooting up. He's a career one one guy. Uh, he's got eight percent homer to fly ball rate right now, which is well below, or not well below, but it's below his 11 percent career mark. I see trouble there with as much contact as he allows and the hard contact that allows. He has a good home park that can protect him in certain spots. But man, this this feels like, you know, I'm always one to push back when, when people use BABIP as a luckometer and just say, you know, if it's too high, you've been unlucky. If it's too low, quote unquote too low, you've been super lucky. But you hit right on it. We're not seeing a contact management guru here with nasty stuff that's breaking bats and getting guys to roll over. We're seeing a guy who's kind of skating. And so I do see this 246 Babbitt. And even though he had a 240 last year, even if you give him some credit for a better than average one, it's not enough better than average to make me believe that he can sustain this. I'm sorry. I, I know he had a 314 last year in 43 innings, and Mangdon gets these runs going. But the homers terrify me. I think they're going way up, and there's just not enough strikeouts here. I have a hard time seeing him as anything but a streamer in any form. I guess AL only, you got you got to kind of see what's what. And like you said, get him on a roster right now in just about any league just to see what's going on right now, the Vargas rule. But I would be careful with this ticking time bomb. If you are fragile in, in ratios, don't because he could hit you with the seven bomb. If you're kind of more in the middle or rolling and you want to and you like streaming – you can maybe get in with, with Megden, but for others, I would not. I would so not chase this. One argument I feel it is important to make is I looked at his theoretical nine-game schedule. Let's say it goes, you know, typically fifth, you know, fifth man rotation, everything like that. Yes. The next nine games will be the Rays, who are top ten offense technically this season by Woba. I don't scare you though. But right, and then it's the Rangers, definitely not threatening. Astros, mm-hmm. sure. Angels, yep. sure. Then Chai Sox, Tigers, Padres. Astros, Yikes. Giants. So this does seem like a guy Pretty that if I were to go after, I would, you know, I could see myself streaming this about half the time. Uh, maybe a little bit more. It seems like you only named three really bad ones there. Right. The two I mean, yeah, Astros it, and it, an Angels. Astros, twice Angels. I mean, I can understand if you want to be. If one of those is locked to a two start, maybe you go ahead and go with it anyway. Right. But uh, yeah, I think I'm with you here. That okay, that that softens the blow. If you if you already went out and bought him, because by the time y'all listen to this, you might have already had your your waiver moves in. It, it's it's not an automatic, but it is something that I'm keeping a very close eye on. And if I am streaming, and I, I'm kind of streaming between my team uh, reserve roster and and active roster, because that's another way to stream is to just already have your guys on the reserve as opposed to picking them all up off the wire. He's someone I could keep around for those softer matchups. But uh, I don't let him face anybody that I deem as a quality matchup. Right, exactly. All right, I think that's going to cover it with Mengden. There's just not a whole lot here. It's a funky delivery. You did mention that, by the way. Do you want to go into any more detail on that? Because I do think that helps him. There is some deception with that delivery. How much of a driver is that? 
I, I mean, there is some. Uh, there was some argument last year. I remember, I think it was Eno bringing it up how Mangdon was different from the stretch than it was mm-hmm. in, than normal windup. This year, I'm not seeing a massive gap between from the stretch and uh, and from with, with men on base versus uh, bases empty. Actually, I think he's performing better with men on base technically uh, by the numbers than. I was going to say, based on so, what we're seeing, that that wouldn't surprise me with the way he's right, uh, exactly. kind of dodging raindrops, as they say, which is my favorite term to describe giving up a bunch of base runners and somehow getting out of it. I've never heard um, of that. That's great. I think, oh yeah, oh, Jeff Zerman did something on yes. wild wine. Do they help? And he was the very first guy there. Daniel Mangdon was, and he said he loses all deception from the stretch. And then he started to hit on his numbers, the career numbers that he has there. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, I would look at that too, but we're strikeout horse. So when we see a guy <laughs> who's only putting up, he's got, you know, He's been more than five once. He got six in an eight-inning outing. Oh, right. I mean, also, this isn't the Mikolas situation for me because um, last time we talked about him, I, I did see a guy that could get He's out bad. of that group. Yeah. And, yeah, then He's all poor. of a sudden, he had a That's fantastic strikeout start the next time out. Mangdon's absolutely poor man's. I want to be clear on that. This is not an analog one-to-one situation here. I would much prefer Michaelis, like, substantially. Right. I'm just saying if it's, it, you know, again, oh, a yeah, poor no, I understand that completely. I think we're on the same page there. Just want to clarify, because some people no, can no. see this and say, well, why can't he make that jump too? Exactly. Nicolas' repertoire does speak to a higher strikeout rate. Meng did it not so much. But they both have dope mustaches too, so maybe if they rub <laughs> the ball on their mustaches, maybe it's a mustache power sort of deal. Maybe I don't know. Maybe we'll hear Could... from, from people talking about that substance abuse. I don't know. We'll keep an eye on that. That's where they're going to hide the stuff that Tyler Bauer's worried about. <laughs> Speaking of Tyler Bauer, huh? Good old Tyler Bauer. Yes, that's what uh, that's what uh, what's his face Alex Bregman called him. So that's what I'm calling him forever. Do you, yeah. you did you see that whole tw- the whole Twitter beef? Oh yeah, of course. Okay, okay, that's okay. wonderful. No, I just wanted um, so, yeah. to make sure you. Yeah. No, no, I'm still calling him that, and it's 100 <laughs> percent on purpose. But I, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan. I, like, listen, I like his stuff. Like his whole deal. I think is good for baseball to kind of be a little bit of a disruptor. Justin and I have talked about this where we, we, we dig the gig, uh, even though sometimes they're not a huge fan of him. He went toe to toe with Cole today and they, those two hate each other. And so it was awesome to watch them trade punches today. I'm curious as we get final thoughts here on both him and Ross Stripling, we'll start with Bauer. Is Bauer an ace right now? A fantasy ace? I will. I have a term on the site. Ace is going to ace. And I take a long time to say that, especially with someone that I didn't give the term the previous season. I do believe that Trevor Bauer is a fantasy ace right now. He's been given the AGA. And, and what has what has gotten him AGA status? Because he obviously didn't come in with it. He's, he's shown glimpses of it in literally all four of his seasons. You can go look from 14 to 17, the, the four full seasons that he's pitched, 150-plus innings. You've seen AGA periods, aces going to ace periods, where it's like, God, this guy could be so good. And then he gives up seven earned the next start on four walks and three hits in an inning. What has taken him to the next level here where Bauer is no longer – uh, or so far, so far, right. not having the blow up every four starts. He has one bad start this year where KC of all teams got him for 11 hits. But he still made it four and two-thirds and only four earned, which for him is actually not a bad dud. He usually duds it up when Bauer goes sour. So, oh, that's sick, sick rhyme there. But uh, <laughs> what, what, what's what's different with Bauer that has made him a fantasy ace? Because I think, I think you might be right, even as reluctant as I am to admit it. Well, I mean, I will also mention he did have four runs today in that Astros game with 13 strikeouts and two walks. But he was awesome. Like that's one of those 27 pitches. But <laughs> I think that's one of those where 
that's why the earned runs doesn't always tell you what happened. Right. Because you watch those two, and they both pitched their butts off today, and they were great. And, yeah, they had to run them out for 127 because they don't trust any of their relievers outside of Cody Allen. Sure. Uh, so the first thing that was really surprised me is I actually didn't notice this at first. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think if anyone has, has followed pitcher list or at least what I've written for you – um, at fan graphs is that Trevor Bauer is throwing a slider now instead of that cutter. He does Correct. kind of feature that cutter slightly. At least that's what the uh, the pitch labels are. I think he actually did ax it. He did come out on Twitter and say in the offseason that he's not throwing that cutter anymore. So that is I think a those are hard sliders. Right. That's what I'm thinking too. Uh, but this is an amazing pitch. He has a 5.4 P-Val and 174 that he's thrown. It's 17% that's- whiff rate this year, 30% zone. 45% O-swing. It's essentially that money pitch that he's been really needing. That's Bauer's slider, right? Yes, Bauer's slider. Yeah, that's his finisher right now. But what has made that so good is that he's increased from 2016. He had a uh, four-seamer under 50% zone rate. It was around 48, 49. Increased it last year to about 52 to 54. This year, it's at 58%. That means he's pumping strikes with it. And what's crazy about that is that his walk rate actually is a little higher. Same, yeah. like percent but, more or less the same. But what that does is that it, I think that's more so of just some some bad at bats, but overall better at bats, if that makes sense. Absolutely. He's not, he's, getting just deeper because he's in. not walking them, he's still not getting to two one counts, three one counts. That's, that's really interesting, too, because, yeah, people would look and say, no, it's the same old Bauer with the eight, eight, eight to eight and a half percent walk rate. It'd be interesting to do a deep dive and see how many three ball counts he's getting into, how many of those two one counts, as you're talking about. And I do think those have gone down with Bauer, and that's why he's preventing those meltdown starts where he looks like Tyler Chatwood. The one, the the two stats I didn't mention is that this is the first season since 2012 when he had four games started. Um, I actually want to turn for that where we can just throw away the rookie year. I, I yeah. I, to, I, I never say it. Notice I said his four seasons. Yes, he pitched in 12 and 13. It's insignificant. It's a total right. of 33 um, innings. It, so they this, don't matter. So this is the first time, A, that he's had a first strike rate over uh, 60%. It's a 62%. That's and, huge. And it's the first time he's had a double-digit strikeout, uh, sorry, swing strike rate, which is at 12.3%. Last year was 9 Very surprising. Very I feel, feel like you could win a bar bet with that. Of people that like know Bauer and kind of know stats – it, but didn't know exactly his stats, he'd be like, how many times has he had a 10% or higher swinging strike rate? I guarantee the majority right. of people would say more than one. It's crazy because last year he had a 26.2% K rate, and it's pretty much the same. I mean, it's close to 27 this year, but uh, it's that's kind of the same. But the thing is, you know, he's going a 6.5 IPS innings per start, which is phenomenal for Bauer, especially someone we're talking about with, you know, they'll have deeper counts. So he actually had a sub six last year. Uh, that's huge too. So he's going deeper into games. Uh, he's throwing more start. strikes, better strikes. The one thing that I obviously do expect to change, I do not think he's going to keep a .42 homer per nine. That's never has been close to that. Right. It's been about one. Last year was one point two eight, one hundred four for his career. Even if that doubles, I mean, I see a Sierra at three fifty four. That I, I mean, I'm not saying that's going to be all the way down from that. His ERA is two thirty five. But there's a lot of wiggle room right going exactly. Let's say he goes a 3.2 year rate with this with a 25 plus K rate uh, with a sub 1.2 whip. That's that's very ace like to me right now. And and showing he can work horse right. He exactly. now has 
175, 175 innings in, in the last three years, plus some playoff innings. So I bet one of those probably went over 200. Uh, and then this year, like you said, already uh, 6.6 on his IPS innings per start after the uh, seven and the third today. So Bauer really has rounded into a fantasy, especially with the with the lack of bona fide, like hands down fantasy aces, we're, we're anointing some new ones this year. Part of it is because the criteria has had to come down, but it's also a credit to what Bauer's doing, what Char- Charlie Morton is doing, what maybe a guy like Blake Snell, who's yes. at least knocking on the door, if not fully in the door is doing. And so again, it's credit to those guys, but we've also lowered the threshold just because there's not the 200 inning workhorses. There's not enough to go around for everybody anymore. Exactly. So if you get a guy who goes buck 80, as a beast, that's pretty dope. So, uh, all right. So that's Trevor Bauer. We believe he's he's entered fantasy acehood. We'll see if he enters acehood acehood, which is the IRL version that Kluber and uh, I, I would say Carrasco as well kind of reside in. Or do you say only Kluber? Oh man, uh, Carrasco, I'm so torn on. I mean, I wrote about him this I morning. I kind of am too. I I I said it like like I was confident, but I'm I'm legitimately not. And not just because you're hemming. I was just like, once I said it, I was like, I don't know if I fully agree with that. I, Kluber's a lockdown, obviously. Well, we've always kind of been back and forth. I mean, this is what it was in that preseason uh, podcast that we had about Carrasco's fourth team being really bad. Yeah. Uh, but his, you know, his whiff rates are down too, and he's he's at a 40-year rate right now. Um, Talk about a guy can't avoid the crap start either. Like it, he suffers Baueritis. Like what? And it, it, for his is because of the fastball, though. Right. With Bauer, it's like usually the command and control just leaves him for a night. With Carrasco, it's that four seamer just getting knocked around the yard. Yep. Just one sentence really on Carrasco to me is that the whiff rates are still there. I think strikeouts will return, and it really honestly, he can put out two straight gems in a row, and all of a sudden that four year rate comes down to three point five. That's and the thing. Everything's great. Two six-plus inning gems where he's like chasing a, a no-hitter into the seventh inning. Nobody would blink, and he'd be right where he is. So, exactly. yeah, so, he's I definitely think, a fantasy a ace. Uh, yeah, and if you can get him, I say get him. All right, so let's end with Ross Stripling real quick here because he's a really interesting guy, and he's kind of been a savior for this club, which is saying something interesting because they're still doing poorly. So imagine where they would be if Ross Stripling wasn't there to save their bacon right now. They're really rolling with a uh, Stripling, Bueller, Maeda, Wood quartet and then kind of figure it out right now. And Stripling has has emerged into a beast. He's been a fantasy godsend for teams right now. Uh, what are your thoughts on him, though? 28-year-old kind of middle reliever who really filled in that middle role pretty nicely, spiking up to a 30% strikeout rate, uh, 5% walk rate, 174 ERA, 119 whip. That's in 41 innings split between the bullpen and five starts. Ross Stripling, is this something to buy into or run away from? I Okay. I, I'm, I, I don't see why you shouldn't take a chance on this. Uh, it's, I mean, yeah, it's even actually a sub 3% walk rate as a starter so far in 26. Wow. Uh, with a 31% K rates. Uh, and he also gets a decent schedule coming up. It's the Phillies, then Pittsburgh, Braves, and Giants, as long as he does maintain that spot. It's kind of weird. ESPN says that Brock Stewart has it, which is, I don't understand whatsoever. Uh, so that might, you know, I'm sure there might be some confusion in some leagues about whether he has it trust me he still has that number five spot right now stripling's gonna be starting yeah. <laughs> is kershaw coming back this week thursday thursday yes yeah, that it's gonna be a things. limit it's gonna be a limited pitch count but yes it's not gonna hurt stripling though and stripling no. should get in that philly series and if he goes on wednesday then he avoids colorado which is nice right exactly then gets pittsburgh uh after that and then okay so when it comes to his stuff 
It, he, he uses a four-seamer and a slider to get strikes. Uh, both are above 50% zone rates, uh, which is really impressive for a slider. Slider is a sub-11% whiff rate, though, so that is not really a, a strikeout pitch. It's just something that you can turn to, which is, the nice, zone which is why it's a low walk rate, because he has two pitches he trusts for strikes. And I always say you only really need three pitches, two that you can throw for strikes and one to one miss bats. Swings and misses, yep. And that's it. That's really all you need. Um, it, could, it doesn't have to be your fastball as your strike throw, believe it or not. You can pitch backwards, and that works too. Uh, he does have a curveball that is effective. It's, it's been really effective this year so far, too. I don't know if that really is going to stick, though. I'm not totally sold on that. It's been off the charts. And that's the thing about it. We've seen that before, and it, it, it often comes to me as like, okay, let's, this is going to pull back, and then how – is it going to be you know, a small pullback that means everything drops down a little bit? Or is it going to be a swing of the pendulum when that falls? So I'm, I'm a little concerned. The fastball is fine. I think he's gotten away with it thus far. It's not really mm-hmm. a pitch that makes me think that, oh, yeah, he'll definitely ha- succeed with this often. Uh, slider's good, though. I really do like that slider. I think it's a really effective null. It's kind of like his money pitch because he can trust it so often and it, it's can- pretty effective. He can lean on it to do two different things. I feel like if the curveball did abandon him, he might be able to lean on the slider to get more swings and misses. Right. Uh, so it, it does kind of give him some options there, Ross Stripling. But like I said, for, to give some context on the curveball, it is off the charts. It's, del- it's delivering a 69% strikeout rate right now, which is nice in 26 plate appearances. It, it had good results last year and, and a 37% strikeout rate in 51 batters faced. So it's not, you know, it's never really been a bad pitch, but right now it's gone into a, from an average pitch to a plus plus devastator. Now, and so that's kind of the key driver for the curveball here with stripling. The one thing I really need to mention is that these are the five teams that he's faced as a starter. Let's hear it. Arizona, mm-hmm. Padres, Padres. Um, elite team, elite team. <laughs> Reds, elite. Nationals. Oh, the, the best. Uh, he did kick their butt, but that's really been the only one where you're like, where you would have even been concerned. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's a big question mark for me. Uh, he sure. hasn't gone too deep, save for the last two games, which were six and 6.2 innings pitched. The first ones, I mean, yes, he had to get stretched out a bit, but it was four innings, four innings, and 5.1. Uh, he Then the Arizona Diamondbacks actually gave him uh, some trouble, forward runs and two strikeouts and one walk in those four frames. So I, I, I find it really hard to really buy into this. Um, I, I, I watched, obviously, Ross Stripling, as I do pretty much everybody. And, yeah, curveball's performing well. Fastball is fine. Slider is kind of that money pitch that is flexible, but I could see this easily falling apart quickly. I, I think that's definitely fair. I, I like this too, though. I, I would say jump in if he's still available uh, and ride this one. I would say this is a little bit more than a Vargas. I'm not going to jump yes. off at the first sign of trouble. I would really want to see what's going on through a trouble start. Is it the curveball uh, being abandoned where he didn't have the feel for it? Okay, I'll give him a break. If it's that slider getting beasted around, then you take a, you take a little bit more stock in that and say, okay, that, let's be careful of that. But I'm definitely not jumping off stripling until there's two bad starts, and even then it's still kind of a case-by-case. Case. So I'm kind of sticking with this for the for the near term here for the 100%. next like four to six weeks. I mean, yeah, I mean, again – Good schedule coming up as well, so I feel yep. good with that. Um, I would say, you know, you're talking about tonight, Sunday, NFBC leagues. Should you be spending on a stripling? I would. I would definitely be going after it. I'd feel comfortable on my 12-teamers as, you know, I normally have those final two spots or so that I'm kind of rotating, trying to find the guys that stick. I would be comfortable for sure. rolling with stripling there for a little bit. 
Uh, I don't see this. Um, if, if there are a lot of teams I'm thinking right now are like, okay, I have you know first, second place team and trying to solidify the rotation for the second half. I don't think Stripling is someone that is going to make a big impact then. Well, especially because they're going to start to add pieces back. Right. So, yeah, and, he's, and he's easily the one that goes first. He'll go right back to, to his role there. Now it's going to be rotating guys of, like, Kershaw coming back. Hopefully he sticks. But then Ryu, and then who knows when Hill comes back, and who knows if they go get somebody. And since Ross Stripling is somebody that's flexible, he would likely just go back into his role. Now I will say to his credit, he put up 74 innings with only two starts last year of a 375 ERA and a 118 whip with 74 strikeouts on the button there. So it's a strikeout per inning. So that's still going to keep some viability. Even if he goes back to the long relief role, you're still going to get some viability in a lot of leagues but then you start to get to 10 and 12 team and it's probably something that you pass on you got to kind of have that elite strikeout rate to be a middle reliever in 10 and 12 teamers but for now ross stripling double thumbs up right now what else you got the one last thing i have to mention is dodgeritis and it is what i mean by <laughs> dodgeritis is that they often take out pitchers earlier yep. than they should yep. and if you look at his starts uh total batters faced 20 in the first one, 17, 22, 22, 25. This is not someone that they're letting go deep. Uh, so it does make me a little concerned that we could be seeing a lot of five-inning starts with Stripling if it doesn't necessarily go as well as it has for him thus far. Very, very uh, something to very much hone in on for you quality start leaguers. Yes, that uh, that he's not going to really be delivering that. You know, Rush slipping on a good, stripping on a good team, going to get some good support, but could definitely be a lot of five and dives just because he's not really somebody that they see as a workhorse. So that's a great point to bring up, and we'll close it on that. Uh, episode five fifty five, the fifth, I believe, fireside chat in the books. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's the fifth one. Uh, we'll be back next week. I don't know who we're talking. Tweet us at, at Spore, at Pitcher List. Let us know, guys, that you're watching. We go positive, negative, doesn't matter. You know, one side there, we're looking for a standout for some reason. And we talked about some positive guys today. So uh, happy bidding if you're, if you're trying to scoop those guys and enjoy your, your newfound ace in Trevor Bauer. Nick, great talking with you. And great talking to you too, Spore. Want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league? Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. Download SquadQL for free for your Apple and Android devices. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. How does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster, your league's scoring system. The app also provides waiver wire recommendations, daily updates to player rankings, and much more. Head to the Apple app or Google Play stores to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy Lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android.